Uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Facts versus Rhetoric. Thank you very much for joining us today. Today, we are going to cover the potential health risks from wearing a mask. And we've covered masks several times before, and I'll include those links in the description if you would like to learn more about the possible limitations and realities of the masks you are wearing. Now, I'm obviously going to try to do a better job and be a little less judgy in today's episode to give you some straight information so you can make up your mind. One of my contradictions that I observed during the first round of the mask mandates and the constant masking was just the lack of guidance and education when it came to the correct way to wear a mask, for how long to wear a mask, etc. Right? The contradiction was if the widespread masking was instituted, forcibly in some cases, and that was there for our health and safety, then why were they seemingly ignoring all of the relevant health and safety information required after you make someone wear a mask. It seemed to me that all of the effort went into getting the mask on people. Like, okay, that's step one, now what? There didn't seem to be any follow-up on how to mask up safely. So the contradiction to me was that if it was all about health and safety, then the guidelines and the support would have followed the initial demand and request. And I would have expected the nightly news to be constantly reminding us of mask safety, mask education, mask limitations. I would have expected schools to provide mask education to kids, have mask replacement breaks, where you throw out that disposable mask you've been wearing longer than you should have. There were just glaring contradictions that stood out to me, but in addition to those was just the collective ignoring of established facts and understanding about what masks could actually do. I mean, we throughout 60 plus years of rules and regulation that our government had already put into place for our health and safety. It's OSHA's job to protect workers' health and safety and to make sure that companies are in compliance with these rules. Go back and listen to Masks Don't Work, where I go into great detail. But real quick, OSHA has strict rules when it comes to the handling and removal of asbestos. Okay, now back in the day, they used asbestos for many applications, but one that was really freaking good at and was used a lot was insulation. So you had old heating systems and pipes were wrapped in asbestos to keep the heat from escaping. Well, once they realized that asbestos dust that was created when you disturbed the old asbestos caused cancer, well, okay, well now for everyone's health and safety, here are the precautions that workers need to take when working with asbestos. Now, you don't need to know all the ins and outs of asbestos abatement game, but there is one part that you need to know, and it is relevant to the mass conversation of today. We measure very small objects in microns, right? So, for example, the uh, diameter of a human hair is 4,000 times larger than one micron. Look down at the palm of your hand, right? Ignore your fingers and thumbs and just picture like a single grain of sea salt in your palm. That's the size difference we're dealing with. Your palm being the diameter of a human hair, and that speck of salt is one micron, okay? COVID particles are less than one micron in size, okay? The smallest asbestos fibers are generally between one and five microns. So according to our government, OSHA says you need to wear a respirator to be protected from asbestos. A respirator that requires medical clearance to wear one, it cannot be used with facial hair, requires an initial fit test, a yearly fit test, change out criteria for the filters and cartridges, training on the use of said respirator, 
training on the storage of the respirator. And on top of all of that, they're required to have an audit of effectiveness of this whole respirator program. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the OSHA Respiratory Protection Standard. Okay, and that's for asbestos, which is way, way bigger than a COVID particle. So the what the fuck moment I was trying to create back then was here's the government says you need to wear a respirator for asbestos fibers, one to five microns in size. However, for COVID particles that are less than a micron, grab a mask, you'll be fine. Hopefully I'm illustrating the limitations of masks and the, just the lack of best practices when masks are being worn. It's just a little disingenuous to, to, to claim that a mask is your best option, you right? A mask without a required medical clearance to wear one, a mask that can be used with facial hair, a mask without training or an initial fit test, a yearly fit test, a mask without a change out criteria for those masks, a mask without training on the use of it, without the training of the storage, without an audit of effectiveness of the program, right? So a, as you might have already pieced together, the masks don't even meet one single piece of criteria of the OSHA respiratory protection standard. Now, if you want to wear a mask, go for it. The goal of today is to point out some facts so you can make a better informed decision. Mask effectiveness? I mean, who knows? It's really hard to know for sure. So like anything, you do your own research and you listen to both sides and ask questions. And looking through all the data, if I had to steel man an argument to wear a mask, despite the obvious aforementioned flaws, I would go with the, well, it can't hurt argument. Yes, we understand masks aren't perfect, but it will do something and something is better than nothing. Like, I understand that. Masks do not provide a tight fit around your mouth, chin and nose and cheeks. But the vast majority of air in and the air out, yeah, may go through the mask. I think that's fair, right? Wearing a mask is best practices, right? Can't hurt. Part of that social contract. I'll keep my germs to myself and you keep your germs to yourself. Now, the problem with that argument is that requires a huge assumption. And the assumption is that wearing a mask isn't harmful to your health in any way. And there have been some peer-reviewed studies over the past two years that address the possible harm masks present to the ones who wear them, and also to the planet that has to deal with the enormous amount of mask waste. So I've read four mask studies that have come out between 2022 and 2023, so you don't have to. The links are in the description if you're so inclined. But I wanted to highlight some of the potential dangers of wearing a mask. So when you wear a mask, your nose and your mouth come in contact with the mask material, right? Especially around your mouth, that mask material may mix with saliva. So one who cares about health and safety would find it is of paramount importance to assure that the mask is, I don't know, free of toxic substances. So that's a good idea, right? So what are masks actually made out of? In particular, both surgical and KN95 masks are composed of synthetic thermoplastic carbon polymers, such as polypropylene, polyurethane, polyacrylonitriol, polystyrene, polycarbonate, polyethylene, or polyester, which are all synthesized by a variety of chemical processes. Those synthetic thermoplastics that I had to spell out phonetically to be able to pronounce, by the way, just require a range of heavy metals and metalloid catalysts. 
They require all those things for these flame retardant qualities, for the pigments, for the color, for stabilizers and additives, like all this shit to make the mask the mask, right? So finally, the masks also contain copper nanoparticles for antibacterial properties. So when these scientists studied these masks, the most common trace metalloids detected in the masks are some of the well-known dangerous as fuck ingredients like nickel, copper, zinc, arsenic, mercury, and lead. And then there's a few I had to look up, such as chromium. Chromium metal is valued for its high corrosive resistance and hardness. There's cadmium, which is a soft, malleable, silvery white metal. You have thallium, a gray metal not found in free nature. Antimony, illustrious gray metalloid. So since masks are worn close to the face, mask materials are directly and indirectly exposed to the human body through inhalation, the mouth, and the skin. If hazardous compounds are released from these masks, well, the human body is at risk. And all these metalloids are known to have reproductive toxicity, liver toxicity, and cause cancer in the human body. So we have toxin and metallic risks to be mindful of. Okay, next, let's look at VOCs, volatile organic compounds. VOCs are just emitted as gases from certain solids and liquids, right? So get like getting lightheaded while you're painting, that's the VOCs that are making you lightheaded, that are off-gassing from the new paint. And there's a lot of things that give off VOCs, cleansers, disinfectants, pesticides, wood preservatives, not to mention building materials, furnishings, office equipment, glue, adhesives. Like an easy way to think of VOCs is anything new is going to off-gas some VOCs. Have you ever had a new car, brand new car, and then within the first few weeks, the inside of the windshield gets all foggy and you actually need to clean it off because it's not just condensation? That's the VOCs, off-gassing from all the new car components. One of the big problems is a lot of people use those disposable masks that come in a plastic package. So if you wear that mask right after you open it, you're exposing yourself to high levels of VOC concentration. All the off-gassing of that mask is trapped in the packaging. So when you open it up, bam, VOCs. That's that like crazy chemical smell, right? When you open anything. However, you can lower that VOC exposure if you just open the mask and let it sit and breathe. So for example, if you wore a mask for six hours immediately after opening it, the VOCs that can be inhaled are 30% higher than the same mask if you just left it sit for an hour before opening and then wore it for the same six hours. And let's say you're a type of person that does a new mask every couple times during the day, right? Every new store you go into or every interaction in public, you just do a new mask. Well, you have to be mindful of every time you open a new mask, you're getting the highest concentration of VOCs in that first hour. So if you're constantly changing the mask, you're subjected to a way higher concentration of these harmful VOCs. And I'm sure you know this, but VOCs can damage the liver, the kidneys, the central nervous system. That sounds important. Cause cancer in animals and is suspected, in quotes, to cause cancer in humans. Also, as masks are worn close to the face, temperatures may increase beyond the ambient temperature, right? Due to the body heat of you breathing into it. Sunlight and high temperatures can also affect the increasing temperature of the mask. Well, when the temperature of the mask rises, the types and concentrations of those VOCs from the mask rise with it. Okay, so you have to be mindful of VOC risks with masks. 
And lastly, for all my listeners that care about the environment and this planet and enjoy seafood, we can't ignore the impact on our planet and the marine ecosystem that masks are having. In 2020, the World Health Organization projected monthly global demand of disposable plastic face masks was nearly 90 million. That was in 2020, 90 million disposable face diapers a month. And a skyrocketed global demand of these face masks wearing led to unprecedented increasing of face mask production. A skyrocketing global demand for face masks naturally leads to an unprecedented increase in mask production, right? Everyone needs one. We don't have enough. Everyone starts making them. And that severely can affect the quality control of masks, right? People were so desperate for masks, no one stopped to think about the quality and the ingredients to the masks. Different masks of the same brand in the same box were found to contain different concentrations of metals. They were just making them too freaking fast. It was just a lack of quality control by all these manufacturers. So now that we've made billions of these disposable face masks for the globe to use, where do they go? It's speculated that more than 1 billion face masks have entered the oceans and around 3.5 million metric tons of masks have been landfilled worldwide in the first year of COVID. Year one, 1 billion masks in the ocean and 3.5 million metric tons of mask waste in a landfill in the first year. So we cannot ignore the toxic mask exposure to the aquatic environment. And I'm sure most of you are aware that microplastics are a big problem in our oceans. Well, microplastics have been found in these masks as well. All right, so let's do a quick recap of the risks to consider when thinking about masking up. There are many toxic compounds hiding in these masks. Heavy metals, VOCs, microplastics, and microfibers. All of these dangerous things leach out of these masks, with surgical masks leaching more heavy metals and chemicals when exposed to moisture and saliva. Some of the best-selling children's masks have high levels of lead, and if children chew on their masks, they can have additional exposure to these heavy metals and various carcinogen chemicals because when they get wet, it activates them, and then they swallow them, and there you go. So hopefully today we've added to your cost-benefit analysis for wearing a mask, okay? It may help you. It may hurt you. Read the attached studies and seek out others if you want to learn more because wherever you land on wearing a mask, great. But we must all acknowledge that there is risk with wearing a mask and with risk must come choice. It's all your life will ever be. Run.
the tide And balanced on the biggest wave The race towards an early grave